Hi, my name is Nancy. Welcome to another episode of Budget Podcast. Well, uh, in this episode, we'll be discussing Nigeria's energy transition plan. Now, a few months ago, the federal government of Nigeria released the nation's energy transition plan. Now, releasing this plan is one thing, achieving it is another. Now, since its release, our stakeholders are asking questions on how implementable and sustainable the plan actually is. Among other things, Nigeria's energy transition plan will lift 100 million Nigerians out of poverty. It will also drive and manage economic growth and expected job loss within the sector. But on this episode, we'll be hearing from Tengi George Ikoli, a senior officer at the Natural Resource Governance Institute, NRGI, and we also have um, a colleague joining her from CISLAC, that is Chinidu Basi. Chinidu Basi is the program manager at CISLAC. Hi, hi Tengi, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Nancy? I'm fine. And uh, Chinidu Basi, how are you? I'm doing great. All right. So um, we'll have Tengi go first. Uh, Tengi, could you give us an overview of uh, Nigeria's energy transition and what's what would you say is uh, is your perception towards the transitioning, the need to transition, and how realistic is it basically for Nigeria to move from fossil fuel to green economy? Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for having me, um, Nancy, and Budget. Um, yeah, the energy transition is not at all, at all new. Um, it actually even predates the current conversations that we're having that have been precipitated by the climate crisis. Um, even before this, we've had uh, different transitions. Um, the general understanding of the transition, of an energy transition, is that it is a switch from an economic system dependent on one or a series of diff- and different energy sources and technologies to another. Um, the only difference that tends to um, occur over time is the type of energy being discussed or the type of energy being transitioned um, to. We've had technological advances and discoveries that have in the past precipitated these changes. We had in the 1850s, the coal transition, the 1920s, the oil transition, discovery of oil, 1950s, uh, gas, hydro, and nuclear transition coming on stream. In the 1990s, uh, due to decarbonization efforts, you've had solar and wind transitions. Um, you've also had world events as well, um, so the climate crisis. Um, where the Paris Agreement was then developed and agreed to by countries around the world in an effort to make sure that we avert the climate disaster and keep warming to about 1.5, not go beyond 1.5 Celsius. Um, You've also had the 2022 Russia-Ukraine crisis um, conflicts which also created another discussion around transitions and dependencies on certain energy sources. Uh, The perception around um, the transition in general is varied. Uh, There are different camps. There's the camp um, globally, which says that there's a climate crisis and we have to evolve quickly um, at a very fast pace to be able to ensure that by 2050, the world is able to meet its glo- its goal of achieving carbon um, neutrality, which is to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions um, and also reduce the effects around it, um, mitigate the effects and adapt to new energy sources. Uh, and um, in Africa, 
um, obviously there's a lot of, of the conversation is slightly different because the impacts um, likely to affect those in Africa, especially countries like Nigeria that are fossil fuel dependent, are quite concerning. There are revenue dependencies, energy dependencies, and there is a challenge um, economically as well. So when countries are trying to figure out how do we transition, how do we get the money, how do we get the technology, the transition then seems a bit daunting. Um, and then there are perceptions around saying that uh, Africa has only contributed 3% to that climate crisis so we should not have to bear the brunt um, of having to transition however um, we have to think about the impacts of that transition you have countries around the world um, transitioning to cleaner energy sources away from fossil fuels which is the crux of the transition in this particular phase and you have um, countries like Nigeria saying that's where most of our resources are coming from. So can we surely transition? But there's an also another lens which says we depend on foreign exchange about 90%, um, but the markets that are responsible for buying our fossil fuels and giving us that foreign exchange is part of these countries that are trying to transition away to cleaner energy sources, to meet um, commitments that have been made by them um, to avert this climate crisis. Um, Nigeria will also be affected by beyond this revenue challenge, which is around its foreign exchange earnings, which relies on to pay its debt, would also rely on also relies on this fossil fuels again for its government revenues um, to both at the state at the state levels and also at the federal levels. And so if that revenue diminishes, what will Nigeria do? Those questions also arise. We also have seen um, increased um, flooding um, in Delta, in Naira Delta, in Lagos, etc. Um, and some due to poor governance potentially and others due to potential climate change impacts. We also have migration in the north as well. But the question now ha goes, what happens when this actually becomes even worse um, due to climate change? So Nigeria stands to suffer both economic and environmental impacts and social impacts as well because if Nigerians had to feel the pinch financially, um, feel the pinch in their environment and all those other issues as well, they will likely react and it may not be for in positive ways. So all these different things have to be managed. So clearly for Nigeria, there is a case to address the transition um, to engage the transition. The question then becomes how um, will we do this? To what degree and what resources do we need to engage it? And what is required um, in terms of collaboration regionally, globally, what opportunities exist and how can Nigeria move forward? Thank you for that detailed perception. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I would also want Chinedu to respond. Um, Chinedu, if you don't mind, um, let's hear from you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, energy transition, Fengi uh, had given a very elaborate um, background there. I, I don't know whether there is anything to add more, but just to say that it's a global issue. It's an inevitable issue right now, uh, as we all know. Um, what we should be talking about is uh, fossil fuel dependent countries like Nigeria. Uh, who uh, stand the risk of being on the receiving end 
of the effects of this uh, energy transition, um, which is definitely happening, um, is to find a way to put on the table a plan, an achievable plan uh, that has some level of step-by-step -step, um, milestones, um, which is measurable towards um, transiting to uh, the clean energy use and how also uh, we can garner the resources because one major thing that has stood out from everything you said is that it's quite resource intensive. Um, how do we get that resources? And uh, generally, how would our plan lead us to being on the good side of these inevitable events that uh, that is happening. So now, Tengi mentioned that Nigeria will suffer uh, economically, environmentally, even socially. Um, but before we get to the effects, right, of um, this transition on Nigeria's economy, um, what does what do you think Nigeria requires to actually lead this successful transition? And apart from the effects, let's talk about the benefits of the transition for Nigeria. Okay, um, thank you. Um, for me right now, I, I would um, be saying that what we'll be looking at is potential benefits. Um, <laughs> we, we might not categorically say that uh, um, we, we know those benefits that would be around. So potentially, uh, we'll be looking at some uh, aspect of the benefits which uh, for me, uh, I would uh, optimize things like um, a diversification of energy sources. Uh, we've known that one of the major challenges that uh, we have with uh, power um, in, the, in this dispensation that is fleeting away right now is uh, the centrality of distribution and also generation, actually. So the potential will be that um, the government would put resources to harness some economically comparative renewable uh, energy sources uh, which are domiciled in different areas of the country uh, we have uh, some parts of the country that have more of sunlight we have um, water we have good sources of water that will help us generate more energy through hydro uh, we have um, um, some countries rich in some uh, minerals that you can use to produce batteries, uh, you have the gas uh, down south. So those are potentially uh, comparative uh, resources which can be harnessed and we have less of a centrality of uh, energy sources. And of course, that would help to um, harness production wherever they are situated. Um, also, um, domestic uses uh, would be uh, uh, harnessed. We might not have to, if planned very well, we might not have to uh, see a situation where you need to transport a particular product from one extreme to another. Um, so th those are major um, um, benefits economically. Uh, we can also talk about jobs that will be created. You see that the uh, renewable uh, energy is a sector of itself which has some level of value chain um, engagements. So people that are going to be working on manufacturing the, the, the batteries, the panels, um, in, in the case of wind. So technology will come into play 
will have uh, people that would have to go into manufacturing is a quite broad uh, spectrum of uh, of space for most sectors to play in and, and, and um, utilize the potentials that it potential uh, it guarantees put on the table uh, and also in the supply aspect of it uh, like i said earlier are going to be seeing um, some level of harnessed energy supply, uh, some level of um, stability. Uh, of course, when we are talking about renewables, we are looking at um, resources that that are in the long run sustainable. Uh, it's not um, depleting and and would fade or just give way um, halfway somewhere there. Um, yeah, those are the potential economic benefits that uh, I would uh, be able to talk about right now. You mentioned um, job creation, uh, coordination to harness energy sources and some level of stability. Um, I think you're not wrong in that aspect. Many people, particularly Nigerians, are looking forward to how uh, this energy transition and the plan Nigeria has built for it will um, create as much job as possible and probably improve the unemployment rate in the country. Thank you so much for that, Chinedu. Um, now, um, I would want, let me also, let Tengi react to um, the social and economic benefit. I mean, she mentioned that there's going to be some likely social, environmental, and economic effects. So if she can place the effect and the benefits, uh, probably give us um, just some, a little bit of comparison. Um, so Tengi, if you don't mind, just highlight some of those effects it will have probably on the economy since, and if you have, just share some benefits that Nigeria would also reap from this transition. I like that framing of the question. I think it's actually a very good opportunity to sort of show the different sides um, of the risks and how potentially they can be managed um, by, the trans by the opportunities that the transition actually presents. So one of the risks that I mentioned again was economic. So obviously as fossil fuel um, dependent as Nigeria is, um, as the transition carries along and there's more shift, as I mentioned earlier on, to cleaner energies, um, Nigeria stands to lose potential revenues um, that it requires to run its economy. Um, but on the flip side, um, the green economy also provides opportunities um, as Chinedu has mentioned in terms of jobs, in terms of energy access um, domestically and in terms of those opportunities as well. What Nigeria can stand to do is to ensure that it keys into the value chain um, that the, of the opportunities that are presented by the green economy um, and to be careful not to repeat examples or risks that we have experienced in the past in terms of Nigeria becoming a consumer of energy and not a producer. So again, Chinedu has mentioned things like the value chain um, opportunities of creating batteries um, for storage, um, keying into solar, wind, hydro, all these different opportunities, um, but making sure that before that time comes on stream, I just transition, we're able to build in the skills um, that are required um, to get Nigerians to be able to practice in this space. Um, a lot of more information out there and a lot of um, awareness in terms of the opportunities and what is required. There's an energy transition plan 
um, the Nigeria launched in August, um, but obviously there's not enough awareness in terms of what that plan actually consists of and how private sector and citizens in general can key in to that plan. So as we, as we started in our conversation around the national dialogue that we held on the 6th of October, obviously the opportunities um, to create greater knowledge and greater understanding around what that might be. Um, we mentioned foreign exchange again, that, that's, that's a risk that Nigeria stands to lose. But with the transition again, if we are producers and not just consumers, we're able to export the different components that are required um, to service uh, clean energy around the globe. So Nigeria had to position itself for that. Um, there are different opportunities around um, gas as well, which Nedu has mentioned. But there are also challenges around likely um, stranded assets if we don't time that appropriately um, or work it appropriately in a way that benefits Nigeria. Um, so what I mean by that is Nigeria has a lot of gas, um, but we haven't harnessed it effectively over the years and we haven't built up the infrastructure that's required um, to extract and optimize those values. We have a lot of plans that we have looked at over the past um, number of years, um, but we cannot now decide to delve in and realize all of those things at once because now there have to be trade-offs because Nigeria's energy transition plan itself seeks to, by 2030, um, optimize all its, all its um, available benefits from gas up to 2030. A decade of gas plan also supports that intervention so that has to be effectively managed so the the, the fact that nigeria needs energy i think is the main, main crux of that issue it's what kind of energy sources do we need um how can we make sure that whatever energy source we um, tap into that it is something that is obviously renewable um unlike our fossil fuels which has a shelf life um, so it might be worth sort of seeing what the trade-offs are. How do we energize and what's the best mix that Nigeria needs? So those are also the opportunities that the, um, the green economy and the renewables um, shift also provides for. Um, jobs, again, another risk is loss of jobs for the fossil fuel um, industry, um, shifting to the renewables industry. So that also has to be managed. We have to ensure that there are skills transfer. Those that can transition from fossil fuels to renewables are transitioned. That, that the opportunities are also created um, for Nigerians who potentially don't have jobs or who potentially um, can easily transit. So there are two lenses within that is how do you address the job losses for those in fossil fuel industry and also those who are emerging from other sectors potentially. So there is it's a delicate balance um, that Nigeria has to manage. And also we have to look critically at the energy transition plan that has been put forward to see whether it addresses all these different risks and manages different opportunities and whether it provides timelines in terms of how all these things would work because it is essential that Nigerians are able to follow along, are also able to hold the government to account in terms of how it intends to manage these different transitions um, moving forward and addressing these risks, this transition risk that are emerging. You mentioned um, them creating, the government's creating enough awareness around the energy transition um, where the private sector can come in 
join the plan, your citizens and families to join the plan. Now, before I go over to the stakeholders actually responsible for the proper implementation um, of the plan and the transition, right? Um, let me hear your opinion. Now, you mentioned uh, Nigeria should be not only consumers of the energy, but also producers. In that way, we are able to renew uh, this energy that we're actually diversifying into and not um, um, and not fall into the mistakes of the fossil fuel that is actually that has a timeline that is limited. I mean, do you think we have the capacity to actually produce our own energy? Uh, because truth be told, you're right when you say we need to make the energy renewable. So I think it's both you and Chinese that want to react to this. Do, do Nigeria, does Nigeria have the capacity? Do we have the resources to actually pull it through in a way that we are not just um, an energy consuming country, but we actually produce our own energy? That's in that way, we have a long term value um, in this energy transition and the green economy markets. Um, I mean, that's that's quite that's that's the that's the question. That's the main crux of this whole issue. Nigeria needs to transition, but how and can we? Um, there is a huge financial aspect of this. Um, that Nigeria has to consider, as well as technology as well. Um, the, the bill um, for the transition itself is $1.9 trillion um, to, to serve all that Nigeria has outlined in its end transition plan that it needs to accomplish $1.9 trillion, which is $400 million above business as usual, which essentially means we need to, we need to raise about 10 um billion dollars every year um, and that's been that's proven challenging in general we haven't seen those sort of earnings even um, for renewables and for other things and for other things over the last um, number of years um, and as we say in Nigeria our mainstay is oil at the moment um, oil and and then I guess I suppose gas as well um, but we haven't been able to reach our OPEC quota quota for a while um, we have divesting IOCs um, and NOCs, so international companies and then um, local or national or companies taking over. Um, but again, their capacity is obviously different. So that has likely contributed to this reduction in um, our production volumes, but also crude oil theft in has also been attributed to that as well. So you have a situation where we're not earning enough and money is a critical part of achieving this transition and being able to um, serve our own energy needs. Um, but also we have to think about how, how are we going to now spend this money that we have? So because we have all these different challenges, we have to be very careful in the way we make decisions. So how are we spending the money, the little money that we are able to earn to service our needs, but also prepare for this future so that we are not in the same predicaments that we find ourselves in now. Um, we need to make decisions that do not support waste and leakage of our funds. Um, this subsidy bill that we have taken on might need to be reimagined um, from all subsidies, potentially maybe looking at how that those funds could be diverted to renewables because as we have explained and discussed in this conversation, putting into cleaner energy sources is a renewable energy source that will serve us um, for long into the future beyond these 2050 um, or 2025 or 2030, however we see it's the peak, um, peak oil and gas as has been estimated, depending on who you ask. Um, and then even by 2050, where likely all the countries 
um, that Nigeria partners with um, as trade partners would have gone to cleaner energy sources. So we have to be very think very critically about how we're also going to raise that finance um, internationally, even for renewables as well, and the form that those financial instruments are going to take because um, we also want to make sure that we're not looking too much into getting more loans because Nigeria has enough debts. Um, we have to look about those potential instruments and negotiate um, in a way that benefits Nigeria in the long run. Also, we need to look at the mining sector. Um, there isn't, hasn't been enough sort of critical evaluation of and work to ensure that the resources and the revenues that are gotten from those for mining in Nigeria translates into um, our economic and economic developments. Um, we know that there's a lot more happening in that sector than is likely recorded. Um, there are a lot of legacy issues in that sector already in terms of um, uh, crisis, social crisis that we have in those areas um, and different sort of conflicts that have originated from those areas already. When, if Nigeria decides that it needs to transition and needs to become a producer, it has to resolve all those issues um, to make sure that we're able to get the value that we need from that sector as well, because it's a lot of the conflicts that have happened in Naya Delta as well um, over the years that have also reduced the government take and the contribution that that sector has been able to make to the Nigerian economy. So we need to resolve all those issues to make sure that the mining sector is able to work the way that it should. Um, technology is the other thing as well. Um, we're able to, we're delving a lot into solar in Nigeria. Um, wind, green hydrogen and everything else are coming at a slower pace. So we need to sort of find ways to engage and get a lot of technological tra technology transfers um, to make sure that we're able to get the solution that we need to be able to delve into all aspects of the value chain um, for the mineral sector. A lot of research and development is required to get this done. And private sector will carry the bronze likely of this raising finances and contributing finances and technology, et cetera. So an, an enabling environments, policies, laws, regulations that can open up that space also is required um, and not too heavy um, on government participation to some degree to make sure that it thrives. Because we've seen a lot of cases where heavy government involvement um, has limited the capacity and the effectiveness of certain spaces. So these are all questions that we need to think about and think about now and, and implement fast to make sure that Nigeria is primed and positioned and ready to play that role of being more of a producer and less of a consumer so that it doesn't repeat the same issues and the same mistakes that have been seen and observed in the fossil fuel industry so that we can have a better future. Thank you for that, Dengue. Thank you so much. So, Chinedu, um, do you think Nigeria has the capacity uh, to actually produce our own energy? Yeah, my first response will be a yes. Um, and how do I mean? Um, yes, in the sense that we, it, it, this is more of um, of the adage that talks about uh, a rain that was pre-announced. And uh, my people said that it doesn't um, uh, get the people outside. So because it's pre-announced, he starts his journey early enough to see how he can get to the next available shelter. 
um, reference to the National Dialogue on Energy Transition, which was organized by NRGI and other partners, um, lots on lots of such is needed, not just to create ad, uh, awareness, but also to bring the issues that we already know, um, like Tengi had elaborately stated uh, on the table, and pick them one after the other to see where the risk lies and what potential mitigants can be put on the table. Um, the resources um, are there. Some are in, in some um, fragile uh, vessels now. So we're talking about the fossil fuel, the gas, how much time do we have to, to spend or to harness all the resources from that sector? How much prudence do we need in executing how much speed do we need in putting things in place who and who have the um, residual knowledge already uh, we know that uh, people have been into renewable energy uh, for a long time even in nigeria here how how much are we tapping into the experiences that they have garnered over the years uh, what what had been their pitfalls? How what had been their successes? Uh, what have been um, the places that they could um, amplify the more? How much are we bringing everyone on the table to um, see how we can look at this risk? Of course, obvious ones that we already know. Um, considering that this also uh, would serve as a teaching period for uh, the transition. So uh, there, there will be um, space for, for learning and relearning, unlearning, relearning, and learning new things uh, while the time lasts. So that's why I also spoke about the speed and the time that we need because if we go at a very slow pace, we might just end up waking up in 2049 and it becomes an emergency issue um, that we have to be running health together and be at the mercy of every other person. That would not mean that the resources were not there. So while um, financial resources is very important, I think that technical and human resources knowledge itself will play a very, very important role in trying to see uh, what can be put on the table, what are the low-cost um, spaces, which one are the cost-intensive spaces, how do we um, harness and channel uh, such required resources to where it's supposed to be and not spend it on something that uh, didn't need it that much. What are we doing in immediate? What will be deferred later on? Uh, maybe at a later date. Uh, what can wait and what cannot wait? So those are the things that I believe that uh, that kind of dialogue that was done by NRGI um, would address if continued or yeah, okay, maybe for me to say that we need lots and lots of uh, such uh, convergence to uh, serve as a food um, stool to getting an achievable transition process towards uh, clean energy. Thank you so much. That would also bring me to the stakeholders responsible 
um, the people that are actually responsible um, for the transition, who are we supposed to hold on to, who are we supposed to hold and demand accountability and responsibility from. Um, so I want you to actually um, share your thoughts on that. What are the roles of states and non-state actors in transition? I also like the fact that you also mentioned that while finance, while the fiscal reality is actually key, um, it is not solely on financial resources as well, um, both technical and human resources, knowledge, of course, um, is needed to actually pull off a successful transition. Thank you so much for that. So um, so let's hear your thoughts. Who are the stakeholders responsible now to lead a very successful transition? Who are the people that are supposed to ask all of these questions that you've asked? So who are the people responsible for finding answers and lasting solutions to them? Right. Um, thank you. Yeah, I, I also... Um, maybe mention them as well um, as I was speaking. But the central of it all is that there should be someone convening uh, and that will not stray very far away from the government itself, public sector, uh, because uh, these resources that we are talking about, uh, whether it's from gas, whether it's from fossil fuel or any other source, first of all, it's government. So uh, they have the bigger pockets and or the deeper pockets uh, to be the rallying uh, point for uh, resources financially. Um, the private sector uh, would uh, play a very important role in, in issues around um, financial resources, but more on, on the technical uh, resources, uh, bringing their expertise on ground. Uh, what has happened in the past? Uh, are there some similar transitions or projects that um, have been of this magnitude what how was it um, uh, how was it submantled and what were the uh, steps by uh, step by step processes that was followed so they they would do a very great deal in bringing the technical expertise on the table while also bringing the financial resources where uh, they can um, the financial institutions uh, will not be left out. Of course, um, a lot of issues around transactions and what uh, can, can that is feasible. In uh, when I mention them, I'm talking about carbon wastages. So uh, uh, most times we pay more attention on who brings. Uh, we pay more attention on revenue. We don't also pay attention on um, how to. Um, close the gaps that exist between revenue and spending. So if it's not about how much we have, but about how well the how much we have was used. So the financial institutions would play a very important role. Maybe um, in this case, they will be um, put on the edge to make sure that they uh, close the gaps for which we have had. We, we know that we have issues around illicit financial flows um, in Nigeria heavily. And if we don't also bring that as an aspect that uh, we can look into in this case, uh, hence we are talking about resources, then we might just as well be telling the old story, just like we have always known it around here. Um, the uh, we, we, we think, I think that um, the informal economy 
can also play an important role because we the, the statistics shows that over 85 about 85 percent of uh, Nigerian workforce is in the informal, informal economy. How can we bring them on board to see what role that what what low hanging fruit is there for them to to play into? Uh, and I'm also speaking all this based on past experience, and so we. Today we are talking about artisanal miners or whatever. Some people call them illegal miners. Some people call them artisanal miners. We talk about modular refineries. We talk about people who are burning things in the bush, and that is just a function of an unregulated or uncoordinated informal sector, who definitely you cannot remove in the whole picture. So can we start from this beginning? To bring them into the the workspace, to give them a clear picture of where they can play in and what um, uh, what uh, resources and and uh, uh, supports that we need they will need to to be an asset rather than being a loophole or a loophole or a bottle, whichever one that they will choose to be uh, within the process. Um, we can. We will not also do away with um, international uh, influence on this. Uh, we know that we have so many uh, interests from uh, Western companies or international organizations who have serious um, stake on this. So, how do we bring them on the table to ask them that question of um, what key role that they might be willing to play? Uh, so that we know what is on the table for us to plan with. Um, yeah, it's teaching time. They say it saves nine. If we start on time, if we know, itemize these key stakeholders and who they are, what they are supposed to be doing at a particular time, and what time is needed, and how much resources that they will be needing or bringing, then we'll be able to have a, a good and smooth transition uh, or process towards transition. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love where you brought in that quote, teaching time saves time, actually. Um, you also mentioned the speed. We start now, it's not when we get to 2059 or 2049, it becomes a theme of emergency, but you know, we're not able to actually manage resources. And it does not matter what little funds we have, it's how effectively we're able to put that funds um, to good use. And like the thing said, no room for mismanagement or misappropriation. Thank you so much for that, um, Chinebu. So I'm going to let you guys go in a few minutes, but I would want you to leave your two cents. Um, so I'm going to start with Tengi. So just recommendations, how the best you think the government should approach this transition. It's a good opportunity for Nigeria, um, no doubt. I mean, um, it's good. Funny enough, fossil fuel, the era of fossil fuel is almost coming to an end. So we need to be prepared for, for the new um, energy, the new green economy. So thank you. what would you recommend for the government, for stakeholders? Where do you want citizens to come in? Um, just give us your two cents. And okay, thank you for that. Um, and thanks for um, breaking that down really well in terms of responsibilities uh, of different actors, um, Chinedu. Um, I will just add to that a bit, which also leads to or contributes to 
um, the resolutions and the recommendations that I'd also like to make. Um, so right now, obviously, we have the Nigerian Energy Transition Office um, and the Office of the Vice President um, and the Federal Ministry of Environment um, and also now the National Council on Climate Change. Those are all the high-level responsible parties um, for driving the energy transition and the implementation process. Um, so that will give those who are listening um, an idea of who to hold um, accountable, at least for um, until this until this administration um, ends its task. Um, also, the Federal Ministry of Budget National Planning, um, as well, responsible for some of these things, and the Ministry of Petroleum Resources in terms of those gas ambitions um, that, Niger that Nigeria wants to utilize um, with gas as a transition fuel, and the Ministry of Mines and Steel Development as well, which will be responsible for driving um, Nigeria's um, mining and production of this different mine um, met metals, etc., and, my and um, uh, minerals that we need to engage transition and, and, and get value um, out of it. Um, so that's just sort of a bit of a signpost in terms of who to hold responsible um, right now. Um, but also and tying to my recommendations as well of what we need to do is we need to make sure that as a, as this government is also on its way out uh, for next year, we have different campaigns ongoing. Um, we hope, as we, as, you, as we used to say um, in debates, Hope we've been able to convince you and not confuse you of the need to transit, the Nigerian is transit, um, that those key risks that we have been itemized um, are also cascaded to these different um, these different aspirants uh, to lead Nigeria because they'll be largely responsible for the next leg of the implementation of the transition plan um, or even just helping Nigeria to navigate what it can do um, moving forward um, after this uh, administration leaves off. Um, we also even have um, the COP, COP27, which is happening in the next couple of weeks, uh, second to third week, I believe, in, in November, where all of the things that we have discussed should also be cascaded um, and taken forward for those who will be attending and the government also to try and negotiate a good standing for Nigeria, start to generate those revenues, um, generate those technological um, know-how um, and be able to get support to upscale um, uh, our human resources um, as well. And more specifically, um, and just sort of summing up what we, part of what we've discussed uh, and connecting that to the national dialogue that we held on October 6th uh, and the communique that came out of that, which is available on NRGI's website at resourcegovernance.org um, on the Nigerian sort of page. Um, th critical things um, within that um, communicate, but I'll only sort of highlight a number. One is key coordination. Um, we need to make sure that everyone is talking to each other. So all the different government actors are collaborating effectively and doing their aspect and their part. And those, those what's required to be done is highlighted and, um, and codified into a monitoring evaluation framework that the non-state actors can assess and hold everyone accountable to as well, to make sure that we are doing and implementing the plan that we have and just engaging the process in a timely manner, which has come up at different times during this conversation. 
the time to act is now. Nigeria sometimes tends to be reactive um, instead of being responsive and being proactive. So we need to change that dynamic because we cannot wake up at 2049, as we've said, um, at that point, it will be too late. Um, so we need to take the opportunity that we have now and make sure that we key in and we move forward as quickly as, we, as, quickly as possible. Just two more things I'd want to highlight. Um, the enable the environment that is required um, to make sure that we streamline the plan that we have also with our development plans, because if we don't streamline it, then we are, we are acting, we, we are not sort of bringing down to reality. And this will be a shiny plan that we have in one corner, but it would actually not be implemented. So the federal government and different government ministries will not understand what their, what their responsibilities are. And those in the this, in this subnational government, so local states and local governments will not understand what their roles are as well. And we need to make sure that we create an enabling environment for the private sector to actually key into this. And also Nigerians, because there is going to be a shift in the way in which Nigerians use energy as well, which we're not really taking cognizance of. So me in my home, if I'm using gas or if I'm using firewood or charcoal, I have to be willing to also change that my energy source as well. So all of that needs to be considered in how we engage the end transition plan and also the implementation process, which is very key. I'll stop there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Thank you. Um, Everything actually comes to play engaging the process in a proactive manner and instead of waiting for a reactive manner, creating an enabling environment for it, uh, streamlining development plans that Nigeria has. And you mentioned one very a beautiful thing, the willingness uh, of, of citizens actually accepts the transition. You mentioned that someone that is already using, uh, someone uh, on another source of energy willing to transition to uh, gas. Thank you so much. So Chinedu, um, let's have your two cents on the matter. What would you recommend the government? do or what are they doing that could be better thank you um i if you permit me to bring in one important uh, important to me anyway because it it can also be related um so in this whole process uh, nigeria had announced um, gas as its transition fuel so um I would, uh, I don't want to go the lane of uh, talking about this as a problem. I would um, bring it up to mean that the transition fuel should be um, tending towards generating the revenue needed for the transition and not transition fuel for consumption per se. And why do I say that? We already have the infrastructure on ground to use it locally uh, if we have to use it as a transition fuel for consumption that means we'll start building the infrastructure right now um, we have all agreed that we don't have that resources to start building for a, a process that will still pass and we start thinking about going to the real so i think that we might have to look forward to how would we transit once and not having two transitions in mind? Um, that would be a waste of resources. And I think that we don't also have that much resources to put on ground. Um, like uh, Tenki said, uh, a lot have to be done. Um, uh, my um, 
call will be to everyone that has one aspect of uh, resources to bring on the table, civil society organizations, issues around our awareness, uh, to speak to who needs to hear, to uh, bring these things down to earth because uh, it, it, when we are speaking um, in high level languages, um, this is an issue that will definitely go down to the grassroots. Everybody is involved. Uh, like Dengi rightly mentioned, it's going to affect from the elitist person to the rural person that cooks with firewood. How do they understand these issues? What? How do they relate with it? Do they even see themselves in it? Do they even understand what are the impacts and implications in the long run? So um, that, that is one critical aspect uh, that needs to be looked into and um, I recommend more effort by all and sundry uh, to make sure that we make the most of the time that we have right now. Else we might be in a situation that is not good for an emergency anyway. Uh, thank you so much, Shinji. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was interesting conversation. Thank you so much, um, Nancy, um, and Budget for this opportunity. Um, we look forward to more conversations and more opportunities to upscale and take this conversation forward on this issue that critically affects every single person in Nigeria at the moment. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity and keep up good work. And we pray that every other organizations also keys into this to make the good news go around. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yes, the conversation continues on our social media platform, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Budget NG. Um, would love to hear your opinion. Keep it real. Keep it coming. How realistic do you think Nigeria's energy transition plan is? It's Nancy, and I'll see you in the next episode.